Welcome back to another edition of Down to the Wire, again with my NHL analyst, Nolan Thode. And Nolan, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. You know, the season's only got a couple games left on it. You know, we can pretty much start to see a playoff picture for the first round. There's still a, you know, a few games seeding, you know, that have to be figured out. But for the most part, getting a good idea of what the uh, next couple months of the NHL are going to look like. And, you know, going off of going off on that note, let's get right into the NHL headlines. So on Monday, uh, Vegas top prospect Peyton Krebs made his NHL debut. Uh, in his NHL debut, he had one assist. And actually, Vegas ended up choking a 5-2 lead. Uh, you know, uh, it's very odd to see – or sorry, won five straight over Vegas. Uh, if they are a playoff matchup, whether it's the first round, second round, a lot of people might be, you know, kind of iffy on taking Vegas due to their current season record. Yeah, exactly. It seems that lately Minnesota has had Vegas's number, and, you know, they're starting to heat up at, you know, exactly the right time. Minnesota's been solid all season, but it feels like they're really starting to come together as a team, you know, in the, in the playoffs, and I feel like, you know, uh, maybe even winning one round is, you know, is short expectation for them. Michael Hauser, we got to talk about the story of the undrafted uh, goalie who made his NHL debut for Buffalo on Monday. So that was his first career win. Uh, he was never drafted. He's 28 years old and he had eight seasons in the minors. Uh, you know, great story to, you know, for Buffalo to even give him the opportunity. Uh, they signed him a couple weeks ago and, you know, he's just been rolling with it, rolling with the flow, essentially being thrown in there. Uh, you know, it's great to see this story unravel for such, you know, for a team that has been very negative this year. No, yeah, it's a really nice story to come out of Buffalo. It's just a guy that, you know, has stuck with his dream, you know, his whole life. Uh, you know, playing in the minors, you know, some people never dream of, you know, doing that. But, you know, he kept working hard and he's able to get into the NHL and, you know, play play phenomenally for Buffalo. Gold Caulfield making the headlines once again. He scored the game winner in overtime uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, as Montreal would win 3-2. to two. He is the first rookie in Montreal Canadiens history to score an overtime goal in back-to-back -back games and for his first two NHL goals. So, uh, you know, we were talking about the race for fourth. Uh, right now, it's, it's you know, a race for third with the Winnipeg Jets. And it's crazy that, uh, you know, just how quickly uh, events can turn within one week. Uh, and, you know, as a Habs fan myself, I'm hoping for the Jets to lose in regulation every single game down the stretch now. Uh, so they play the Canucks tonight. So I'm hoping for the Canucks uh, to win and regulation there, but, you know, Montreal kind of have to solidify their self. They, you know, Calgary is creeping up, uh, Vancouver again, creeping up, but yeah, like they are the last team to, you know, try and clinch a spot. Yeah, no, for sure. Like Winnipeg, it, it seemed like the first three spots were kind of locked a couple of weeks ago with, you know, Toronto being at the top and then Edmonton and Winnipeg, even maybe Winnipeg threatening for that two seed. I remember looking at the standings as an Oilers fan, but Winnipeg's, you know, had a little rough stretch in the last couple of weeks and, you know, they're finding themselves potentially, you know, sliding to the fourth spot in that North division. And, you know, I guess we should get right into the Tom Wilson talk here. Uh, so we all know what happened with Tom Wilson and his actions taken against Pavel Buchnevich and later Artemi Panarin. But the NHL Department of Player Safety, uh, you know, kind of made a joke uh, of it in a way. Uh, you know, hockey has evolved. Um, I'm not sure if you saw in Hockey Night in Canada, but Jennifer Botterill was amazing. Uh, she's been a great addition, by the way. Uh, huge ups on Sportsnet for hiring her. Anyway, um, I thought Wilson should have been suspended uh, for the rest of the regular season plus more, but, um, you know, to no avail. And I kind of find it odd that the Department of Player Safety never evaluated his actions against Panarin. And, uh, you know, the, you know, Wilson was only evaluated for his actions taken on Buchnevich. So when, you know, like, like, you know, maybe Wilson should have been suspended one to two games for his punch to Buchnevich. Cause you know, it wasn't all that bad. Yeah. Uh, obviously the worst of it was with Panarin, but I just kind of find it odd that, you know, Wilson only got fine. Yeah, no, 100%. And, you know, when you look at the Department of Player Safety, they got to take everything into consideration. But I'm super shocked that Wilson didn't even get a hearing for this. You know, it just kind of came out the next day that it was a fine. And, you know, 
every single person, even Capitals fans, you know, were shocked by the news. Everyone thought that, you know, Tom Wilson was going to be looking at sitting on the sidelines for, you know, quite some time. Uh, but, you know, he, he's just a guy that, you know, every once in a, you know, a couple times in a year, once or twice, he'll be in the headlines for some sort of, you know, dirty play that he makes. So, you know, it, it was just really a shock that, you know, he, he didn't get suspended because, you know, for what he did to Panarin and even Buchnevich, you know, it, he definitely deserved to get something. Might as well read out the uh, Rangers statement that they put on Twitter. So the statement reads, The New York Rangers are extremely disappointed that Capitals forward Tom Wilson was not suspended for his horrifying act of violence last night at Madison Square Garden. Wilson is a repeat offender with a long history of these types of acts, and we find it shocking that the NHL and their Department of Player Safety failed to take the appropriate action and suspend him indefinitely. Wilson's dangerous and reckless actions caused an injury to Artemi Panarin that will prevent him from playing again this season. We view this as a dereliction of duty by NHL head of player safety, George Peros, and believe he is unfit to continue his role, his current role. Uh, you know, that's kind of crazy that an organization uh, would call out uh, you know, the head of any department in the NHL, whether it's for a different organization, but let alone, uh, you know, someone that oversees all the players in the NHL. Yeah, you know, George Peros, you know, I, I feel like he's done an okay job, you know, since coming in, nothing too controversial, but I feel like this is definitely, you know, going to be something that gets looked back, at, back, on, back on, you know, maybe not even for just months, you know, years, we're looking back on the situation just because, you know, you don't really see something happening like this. And with New York coming out publicly and, you know, expressing their opinions on it, like typically you would think, you know, maybe they get, you know, an oppressor, you know, they make a comment on it. The coach kind of just brushes it off, but for them to actually come out making a statement and, you know, directly, you know, kind of coming at George Peros, it's, it's really interesting. And, you know, they, they received a hefty fine for it. The New York Rangers did get eliminated with their loss on Monday against the Capitals. So the East is all set. Uh, the four teams are the Islanders, the Bruins, the Penguins, and the Capitals. And I know for me, I thought the Penguins were going to fall off. I thought the Capitals were going to fall off, uh, you know, because of the aging core that they have. Uh, you know, I think the trade for Anthony Manta has really uh, revived that top six. You know, it gave, the, it gave really good juices to that top six. And Manta has done phenomenal for them. Yeah, exactly. I think Mantha's a great addition and it'll be interesting to see how he plays in the playoffs as of, or like speaking of Pittsburgh and Washington though, it's just kind of, you know, every, every dynasty, not to say Washington was a dynasty, but you know, every great team eventually, you know, falls out of it. And it's just, you know, when is it going to happen? And, you know, people were thinking maybe it would be this year for Washington and Pittsburgh, but you know, their aging cores were uh, somehow able to, you know, produce another good season. And like I mentioned, uh, you know, the Bruins clinching a playoff spot. Marshawn is the 13th NHL player to play 800 games. And, you know, it's crazy that because Drysaddle just hit 500 the other night, 500 career points, that is. Uh, so he's like probably going to hit 1,000 by, he's what, 25? So, you know, I'm going to say he's going to hit 1,000 maybe by age 30, maybe even 29. Like, because Marshawn's playing on the perfection line and Drysdale is, you know, playing with McDavid a good majority of the season, I'd say. Um, so it's, it's just crazy to me that all these players are accomplishing, you know, these uh, achievements so quickly. Yeah, you know, and it goes to show like what what would we be getting if it was an 82 game season? I feel like all these milestones are being hit even in 56 games, you know, we'll, we'll get to it later on, you know, the incredible feat you know, produced by, uh, you know, one certain player. But yeah, you know, just left and right, I feel like all these, you know, future Hall of Famers probably are, you know, having a good season this year. You must feel confident and reassured that your Oilers clinched a playoff spot. No, for sure. You know, even though, you know, it looked like we were going to make a playoffs the whole season, maybe not at the start, there was a little bit of a rocky start. But, you know, once we got on our feet, it looked solid. But, you know, it's just nice, you know, to not have to worry about it anymore. You know, we know we're in. So, you know, these games, even though they do matter, you know, a, a, just a little bit less versus a team like Montreal, you know, fighting for every point at this point in the season. Tyler Sagan scored in his return from the injured reserve. And, you know, they, the Stars actually just shut him down, I think, a couple of days ago. But uh, so, you know, the Stars, uh, right, they were pushing for that fourth place in the Central. But it ended up being Nashville that, uh, you know, clinched it there. 
And, you know, Sagan spent the whole offseason rehabbing from, you know, offseason hip surgery. Uh, he had a huge, uh, you know, recovery video that he posted on Twitter that, you know, I would advise you guys to check it out. And, you know, again, the Stars, a recurring theme. They take the game past regulation, but they have no finishing overtime. So, you know, maybe it's the coaching strategies that, you know, that's the problem in overtime. But they have like 15 or 17 overtime losses. It's crazy. Mm -hmm, for sure. You know, looking at Tyler Sagan and kind of Dallas as a whole, you know, a frustrating season for them, obviously, you know, with COVID at the start of it, you know, they, they didn't even get, you know, as proper of a, you know, quote unquote training camp as other teams did. Uh, but, you know, guys like Sagan, guys like Bishop didn't play the whole season. Radulov had trouble getting into the lineup. I think, you know, 2022 is going to be a really exciting season for the Dallas Stars just because, you know, they made the Stanley Cup final in 2020 and then they kind of had a little bit of a hangover uh, this season. And then next year, you know, hopefully they can be looking at, you know, a healthy roster and, you know, looking to compete once again. And to, you know, just to uh, continue that point there, they also had to deal with like an ice issue, right? They had weather that postponed some of their games, which yeah, kind of made absolutely. it a more tougher schedule on the players. And, you know, you mentioned that they made the finals and we all know how well Anton Hadobin may or, you know, was during that Stanley Cup playoff run. However, mm -hmm. with the play of Jake Ottinger and with them, you know, getting Ben Bishop back, you have to imagine that, you know, they, they uh, leave – Anton Hadobin unprotected in the expansion draft that's upcoming. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's a UFA. He might have re-signed a contract, but I definitely think, you know, he's going to be looking at one of the top candidates to be a goaltender, you know, for Seattle next season. We saw what he could do in that, you know, limited cup run in 2020. You know, he, he was pretty much, you know, they had players, you know, doing well, you know, Joe Pavelski, obviously, Kiviranta, but, uh, you know, they wouldn't have made the Stanley Cup Finals, I don't think, without Anton Hudobin's play in the playoffs last year. Byfield, uh, guys, first NHL point. Uh, you know, he's a great player. I think he's going to be a great two-way player with for them. So they did, you know, the Kings did address their, you know, center depth there by taking him. Uh, you know, Alex Turcott is another great player, scored a hat-trick in the AHL the other night. So, you know, the Kings, they have a bright future. No, for sure. I think, you know, LA, you know, they, they won the cup in 2012 and 2014. And, you know, they had some successful years between that and, you know, now, but, you know, a couple of bad years resulted in them getting some decent prospects and they were able to build somewhat of a pool and, you know, getting it sped up with getting the number two overall pick was nice. You know, Quentin Byfield just looks like he's going to be, you know, a really solid piece for them. Uh, moving on to our Tuesday notes, uh, Connor McDavid became the third player in NHL history with 30 goals and 60 assists in 50 or less games. Uh, you know, he is just a phenomenal player, like a literal highlight reel machine. Like this guy, you can't even compare him to anyone else in the draft because he's in a league of his own. No, yeah, exactly. Anytime you try to compare someone to McDavid, it seems like he goes out and gets a four-point night and just kind of reminds you that he's sort of on a level of his own, like you mentioned there. I, I remember it was his first full season when he won the heart in uh, 2017, I believe, 2016, 2017. And in 82 games, he had 30 goals and 70 assists. And I remember thinking, you know, that was a very solid season. You know, it just looked very nice, 100 points. Uh, but only in 82 games, you know, and we're seeing what he's doing this season. And he's just incredible. Devin Dubnik tested positive for COVID-19 and he is going to miss the next two weeks. Uh, you know, that's a huge loss for uh, Colorado there. Like, I don't think they trust Hunter Mishka uh, as their third string goalie. Like, you know, because that's why they brought over Devin Dubnik was to give Philip Grubauer, uh, you know, some relief. Yeah, and my fantasy team knows better than any that, you know, Jonas Johansson isn't a great option either. Uh, you know, he, he gets lit up. He was in Buffalo. But, you know, Grubauer might be getting the majority of starts down the road until Dubnik's able to come back. Milan Lucic officially waived his no-move clause uh, for Seattle. He doesn't want to handcuff GM Brad for living. Uh, so, you know, this is just a good – it's a good uh, move by Calgary. It's, you know, respectful on Lucic to waive his no-move clause – uh, for Seattle. So, you know, Calgary could protect and could protect an extra forward. So, you know, that, that that's good. Like, I like this move. No, yeah, it's just, you know, a great leadership move. It's, it's, it's clear that, you know, Lucic wants the best for Calgary. Um, and with the no movement clause, you know, if he didn't waive it, they would have had to protect him over, you know, another solid player. So now he's going to be, you know, available to them. And I don't think Seattle is going to take a chance on, uh, you know, a re reviving of Milan Lucic's career. 
Jack Rathbone made his debut for the Canucks, another prospect, uh, you know, and I think, like I think I mentioned last week, I think that, uh, you know, with the Canucks, we'll be seeing more prospects uh, make their, uh, you know, debuts in the NHL because, you know, some players are going to be injured uh, due to their, you know, compact schedule. Uh, you know, they might rest some players. But yeah, just another uh, prospect in their pipeline that made uh, his debut. Mm -hmm. Like you said, just anyone's pretty much getting into the lineup now with all the issues that the Canucks have had. And I was watching the Canucks Oilers game the other day and, you know, you know, the top guys, but a few guys in their bottom six, you know, you just have to, you know, search up online or read a second time just to make sure you know who they are. Mike Hartman scored his first NHL goal for the Chicago Blackhawks. And, you know, this is an interesting story with the Blackhawks. And I think they actually lead the league in rookie goal scoring. Like they've had the most rookies score goals. Uh, I'm trying to phrase that in a way for it to make sense. But, um, you know, it, that's just because of the youth uh, development that they're having, you know, the youth movement um, with Jonathan Taves uh, being sidelined for the whole season. No one would have thought that the Blackhawks would, you know, give this much opportunity to these many young, young guys. No, exactly. You know, at the start of the season, Taves, you know, leaves and Doc gets injured. So it really allowed for the Blackhawks to just kind of treat this season as, you know, getting experience for as many guys as they could. You know, obviously they had a good first half. You know, Patrick Kane was, you know, making some heart conversation. You know, they were, they were able to compete in that central division. But, you know, things have fallen off a bit, but they're still getting experience for a lot of their young guys. And it could be, you know, beneficial in the future. Stamkos and Kucherov were practicing on Tuesday and Stamkos uh, says he's going to be healthy for the playoffs. And, you know, I, I'm very happy for him because like we all saw in 2020, he scored the one goal and never really made an appearance ever since. And, you know, this is really important for Tampa uh, because, you know, they get two really important players that count for, uh, you know, a lot of their goals and Kucherov and Stamkos are just lethal on the power play. They're lethal five on five. So this is a huge addition for them. No, absolutely. It looks like they're going to be either second or third in the central division playing Florida. I'm super excited for the battle of Florida. You know, the first time that those two teams are ever playing in the playoffs. Um, you know, the Panthers are looking at it. This isn't the Tampa Bay Lightning team that they're going to be that they've played all season you know they're adding you know Kucherov and Stamkos has missed some time you know those are two really big you know superstar players and you know you add two players to two superstar players to any team it's really gonna you know have an impact and it'll be interesting to see what Tampa does. And, you know, I didn't read too much into this, but I saw the headline that Matt Barzell was made a healthy scratch. So, you know, that's kind of odd to see a star talent uh, made a healthy scratch. You know, it could have been precautionary reasons just to rest him because, you know, we saw what happened with TJ Oshie the other night and it was released today that he didn't practice. So he's listed as day to day. So maybe the Islanders don't want that to happen to Matt Barzell. Yeah, you know, the Islanders are comfortable in the playoffs. You know, they're going to be the fourth team in that East division, uh, either fourth or third. I don't think they can get the second. Um, but, you know, they're into the playoffs. So maybe it, maybe it was precautionary. Uh, you know, maybe he missed a team meeting. Something didn't come out. But, you know, they're looking they're looking for the playoffs. They're not too focused on the regular season games, I don't think. On Wednesday, uh, you know, that was the big brawl between the Capitals and Rangers, which we will get to. But starting it off, uh, you know, the Vancouver Canucks are bringing their AHL team to Abbotsford, BC. And, you know, I think that most NHL teams over the last couple of seasons are relocating their American team because it's easier to uh, send players up and down, right? It's easier on them for transportation. Yeah, you know, being an Oilers fan, our our team is in California in Bakersfield. So, you know, in a, in a pandemic season, especially, it's a little frustrating just because there is a commute and, you know, a quarantine period that the players have to go through if we want to bring them up. And, you know, back when Hamilton Bulldogs uh, had a AHO team for the Montreal Canadiens, it really didn't make sense geographical wise and, you know, location based wise for them to keep Hamilton as their American affiliate. So luckily they moved to Laval. Uh, and became the Laval Rocket because, you know, it just made sense to have, you know, a local farm team. No, for sure. And I think, you know, Quebec can definitely support another hockey team, you know, being in the AHL and connected to the Montreal Canadiens. I'm sure, you know, the city of Laval, you know, ha has grown to love their team. 
Alex Newhook is making, you know, he, he made his NHL debut for the Colorado Avalanche, another top A prospect uh, in their prospect pipeline. And, you know, the Colorado Avalanche just keep getting better. Uh, he played on a line with Andre Burakovsky and Nazem Kadri. And, you know, Newhook is is going to be a stud for them. Like, there's there's no way of putting it. He did pretty well in the World Juniors, I thought. Um, but, yeah, like... Colorado keeps getting stacked. Joe Sackick has done a phenomenal job of building that team. No, yeah, they're just so well built. You know, everywhere you look on their team, maybe with goaltender, they have a little bit of a depth issue just because, you know, I feel like Grubauer is a solid starter. But, you know, once you look past that, you know, I guess Francois has been hurt all year, so that's impacting them. But, you know, you look at their defensive pipeline, you know, they have guys who are ready to play now and they have guys that, you know, probably could be playing on an NHL roster. It's just they're so deep that, you know, it's tough to crack the lineup. And, you know, this Colorado team, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, even if they win one cup, you know, how many can they win? You know, they just have a great core and, you know, they have that superstar player with like Nathan McKinnon and he's mentioned he's, he doesn't want to take, you know, a huge contract, you know, we'll see what he obviously does when his contract expires, but if he's willing to take a pay cut, you know, they might be able to have just a stack team for the next 10, 15 years. The New York Rangers fired their GM, Jeff Gordon, and President John Davidson. Uh, you know, this came as a surprise to me, and it's very odd, as Gordon kind of rebuilt that Rangers team really fast in the modern-day salary cap era. Uh, you know, it, it was reported that Chris Drury is taking over as the GM and president, and he was actually also interviewed by the Sabres. So, luckily for Drury, he didn't take that Sabres job, and, you know, in, in hindsight, it's good that he didn't. Um, and apparently this wasn't related to the Tom Wilson incident. Uh, both Gordon and Davidson did not know it was the statement was in the works until it was released and they were fired because of underachieving. Although when I hear that they were fired on because of underachieving, you know, the Rangers were kind of dealt a bad hand from the start. Like the East is a really tough division, yeah. no matter how you put it. So I, I just find this firing really odd. Yeah, I really, you know, typically when there is a firing of any sorts, you know, there, there's some justification behind it. And, you know, yes, there is a little bit, but, you know, not not a ton just because, you know, the Rangers, like you mentioned, they've done a pretty quick retool. You know, they've been able to, you know, kind of turn their core around completely, uh, you know, and now they have guys like Panarin, Lafreniere, you know, Capocacco, Ryan Strom, guys that they didn't have, you know, the last time they were competitive. Uh, I think the Rangers are, you know, really big bounce back candidates uh, for next season. You know, they, they came fifth, I, I believe. I think they're going to lock up fifth in the East Division, which, you know, isn't even that bad. You know, they, they beat out, you know, Philadelphia, who was expected to make the playoffs. But, you know, they got a goalie of the future in Igor Shesterkin, a number one defenseman of the future in Adam Fox. You know, hopefully Lafreniere is able to take that, you know, step up in his second year. And I think, you know, the Rangers, you know, this firing, I feel like might be their last for a while. And they're looking at, you know, just having a stable franchise for the next little while getting into the Rangers and Caps game uh, off the opening faceoff, there was a line brawl and then 49 seconds later Brendan Smith fought Tom Wilson uh, so this game set the record for six fights in five minutes uh, and you know that, that the headline's going to overshadow something that we should have cherished more, which was TJ Oshie completing the hat trick. And that was his yeah. first game back since his father's passing. And, you know, we all know what TJ Oshie, uh, you know, how emotional he was in 2018 when the uh, Caps won the cup. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, it, you know, his dad suffered from Alzheimer's disease. This was his fourth career hat trick, but the fight and Tom Wilson is going to overshadow what should have been the proper headline and you know that kind of frustrates me as a hockey fan no absolutely you know I, I was telling my mom about it that's how much of a you know story that I thought it was you know I, I typically you know don't share everything about the NHL with my mom but I was telling her about TJ Oshie just because you know it, it really warms your heart because you know he, he cares a lot about his dad and, you know, that, the you know, infamous or classic interview that he did in 2018, you know, it, it was just a part of that cup win for them and a part of TJ Oshie's character. So for him to do this hat trick, you know, post his father passing, you know, it's just an incredible feat and, you know, congrats to him. It's too bad that, you know, it had to be this game. Shane Pinto scored his first NHL goal and man, Ottawa looks really good for next year like they could be a dark horse candidate to make the wild card i don't know if the nhl is bringing back the wild card that's if they do they might be able to sneak into the eighth spot if nhl does one through eight 
for the playoffs, but Ottawa is a dangerous team, man. Like I think a lot of people are underrating them. Yeah, I think Ottawa, you know, they've had a tough year in terms of goaltending, I feel like, you know, they've never been able to have, you know, a goalie just be solid for them for, you know, more than a couple weeks at a time. But, you know, their forwards are just getting all this experience and all these young guys. I feel like, you know, Ottawa's only a couple seasons away from being, you know, potentially a top team in the NHL. You know, we all we all laughed at, you know, Pierre, Pierre Dorian and the owner, you know, about, you know, some of their statements within the last year. But, you know, they seem to have been doing things right since 2017. Uh, you know, they were one goal away from making the cup final and then, you know, had a couple of bad seasons. But, you know, future's looking bright in Ottawa for sure. Elvis Merz-Lincoln said in a post-game presser that during the timeout between, uh, you know, during uh, the Columbus game, uh, he wanted to go for a goal on the empty net. And actually, John Tortorella, Tortsy, uh, backed him up. So uh, Torts had this uh, this quote to say, I don't give a fuck what you do. Just don't fuck it up. And uh, Elvis Merz-Lincoln said, don't be mad at me if he costed them the game. So, you know, I thought it was kind of funny to see the coach kind of back Elvis Merce Lincoln's up and say like, yeah, I, I'm encouraging you to score a goal. Yeah. You know, Elvis Merce Lincoln's a couple weeks ago had an interview that he wasn't having any fun, but you know, ha- what other way to have, a fu- have fun than being a goalie trying to score a goal. And, you know, it's quite interesting, you know, that Torts, you know, wasn't fully shutting that down. If any coach in the NHL, I feel like would be, you know, extremely against that because, you know, it's risky, you know, the goalies have to, shoot a far ways away and, you know, icing and all of a sudden the face-offs right in your zone. So, you know, interesting, you know, exchange between Merzlikens and Torts and Merzlikens, even though he's a foreign player, has so much personality. And I feel like he's just a great player on that Columbus team. And I'm excited to see what his career has in store. Marc-Andre Fleury officially became the third, uh, you know, he's officially in third for all-time goalie wins with 490. Uh, You know, he accomplished that feat on Wednesday. Uh, You know, hats off to Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, You know, this guy was really put in doubt ever since uh, Matt Murray took over, but he's kind of had a resurgence with his career in Vegas. Yeah, you know, Pittsburgh fans, you know, they could be scratching their head thinking they picked the wrong guy because now Matt Murray's in Ottawa. Um, they have their guy in Tristan Jari, I think, now. Um, but Marc-Andre Fleury, just an incredible goaltender, was drafted first overall, you know. And for a goalie, if you get drafted first overall, you're either going to be third all-time in wins like Fleury or have a career like Rick DiPietro, I guess. But, um, yeah, he, he's just been incredible, whether it be in Pittsburgh or Vegas, and it, there's no surprise that he's third of all time. Anze Kopitar recorded his 1,000th career point. Uh, you know, obviously a two-time Stanley Cup champion. Uh, he was a huge role. He played a huge role in those two cups. Uh, you know, very uh, happy to see him accomplish 1,000 career points. Yeah, and, you know, Dreisaitl reached 500, like we mentioned before. You know, really good for a German player. But I think uh, Kopitar, if I'm not mistaken, is Slovakian. and I'm Slovenian. Sh- I- Slovenian, I, yeah. I feel like, you know, he's probably the first to hit a thousand, you know, from that country. So, you know, kudos to him, kudos to the country and just a great feat for Anze Kopitar, who's had a great career. Yeah, no, I, I you know, I always mix up the Slovakian and Slovenian flags because they're so similar. But yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anze Kopitar is one of the only uh, very few Slovenian players to make it to the NHL. Yeah, and the only reason I know it is because a buddy of ours, you know, the guy that you helped get a job, Michael Sesnick, uh, you know, shout out to him. You know, he has family from there. So, you know, he, he was, you know, a big fan of Kopitar growing up. Paul Maurice, uh, Blake Wheeler, and Mark Scheifele all accomplished, uh, you know, some achievements during their game on Wednesday. So Paul Maurice won his 300th career game with the Jets. Uh, this was against the Flames. Wheeler had his 800th career point and Shifley had his 500th career point. Uh, Obviously, Wheeler is the franchise all-time points leader, I believe, for the Jets, playing both with uh, the Thrashers, the Thrashers and the Winnipeg Jets. So, yeah, uh, you know, obviously huge achievements for them. And I think uh, Shifley and Wheeler had to split the puck. So I kind of find that funny uh, how the players celebrate that when they both achieve, uh, you know, big accomplishments on the same night. No, yeah, it's interesting. You know, you typically see the picture with a puck, um, but yeah, you know, they have to share it and, you know, just a good feat for them. And it, it, it really puts into perspective, you know, going back to Dreisaitl, you know, I, I love my Oilers, but, you know, he's able to achieve 500. You know, he was drafted in 2014. Mark Scheifele, he's a phenomenal player as well, was drafted in 2011, and he's just hit 500 as well. So, you know, Leon Dreisaitl just, you know, keeps climbing up those leaderboards and your prediction of 29-30 is maybe looking a little realistic for him. 
Eddie Olchuk had, uh, you know, agrees to a five-year deal to become Turner le- Turner's lead NHL analyst, and it was actually confirmed today that Ray Ferraro and Brian Boucher uh, are becoming the ESPN lead analyst. So, um, you know, before I expand on the Kenny Albert point I have down, um, you know, I don't know what this means for TSN. I don't know, because obviously Ray Ferraro was involved with NBC as well as TSN. Um, I hope that, you know, there's some joint contract agreement there, because I don't know how Ray was able to work at TSN and at NBC commentating both games. Uh, But, you know, if this does mark the end of Ray, uh, Ray Ferraro and Gord Miller, man, I'm going to miss it. Uh, You know, it really sucks that, you know, their last season, the last do, you know, the last season uh, they had, which was this season is going to be played without, or going to be commentated without fans, I should say. Um, but yeah, it, like, you know, I hope this doesn't uh, spell the end for the Ray and Gord duo. Yeah, no, I got to agree with you on that. But, you know, I, I, I just got to look at ESPN and, you know, TNT, and I feel like they're doing a solid job so far. I'm, I'm pretty excited to see, you know, the, the list of names that they have by the end of it. I feel like that's, you know, the most important thing for me, uh, because, you know, with ESPN, you know, I don't, I don't know who's their hockey head. I don't know how great their hockey knowledge is over there in ESPN, but if they're getting these, you know, former NHL players and, you know, touted analysts, I feel like it's just going to help them, you know, be successful and have, you know, a solid year or a solid seven year contract with the NHL. Kenny Albert is joining uh, Eddie Olchuk there with uh, Turner. So I feel like a lot of NBC employees will be just signed by ESPN and or Turner uh, because, you know, I feel like it, it's just easier that way. Uh, you know, it keeps the fans the same as well as, you know, basically welcoming new fans as well. Um, but yeah, like keep the commentators the same because, uh, you know, I have no really big problems with NBC's uh, commentating group that they have now. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, you know, they, they got a good group and, you know, ESPN's just looking at them as, you know, NBC's, you know, the, the lead broadcaster for the NHL. So if they can get some of their guys and have some of, you know, familiar, familiarity for, you know, the fans, it, it'll be a good thing for them. St. Louis Blues made a handshake line after David Backus played his last game at Enterprise Center. Uh, you know, it's looking like Backus is going to retire after this year. And, you know, if we look back at that Backus trade for Nick Ritchie, uh, you know, Nick Ritchie's been playing phenomenal for Boston. Uh, I think we all knew that uh, Boston would end up as the, you know, presumed winners of that trade, even when the trade was announced at the time. Uh, but yeah, you know, hats off to Backus on a great career. Yeah. And, you know, you look at the trade and David Backes, you know, great career, was the captain of St. Louis, uh, you know, signed that contract. You know, he earned the contract that he did sign in Boston. But, you know, a couple years into it, it looked like a bad contract. So I think, you know, in any trade, being able to shed it was good for the Bruins and it actually produced, you know, a top, you know, middle six forward for them in Nick Ritchie. So I think, you know, uh, a good thing for them and great career for David Backes. We got some hometown news as, uh, you know, Nico Dawes, who was drafted by New Jersey, signed his entry-level contract for the Devils, uh, you know, as well as the U18s. They captured gold. Uh, So great, you know, great news for, you know, Shane Wright, who's obviously a hometown for us, Nico Dawes as well. So it'll be fun uh, to hopefully see, uh, you know, a Dawes-Blackwood tandem and to see wherever Shane Wright goes. Yeah, exactly. You know, you look at New Jersey and they have their goalie of the future figured out, but, you know, they got guys like Dawes, you know, in the, in the pipeline and it could make their job a lot easier. You know, it's never a bad thing to just have a lot of prospects at any position. So, you know, hopefully he's able to come in the NHL and potentially, you know, create a uh, elite tandem for the Devils in the future. Moving on to Thursday's notes, Damon Hunt, sent, Damon Hunt signed his entry-level contract for the Minnesota Wild. He was a 2023rd round pick, 18 points in 23 games for Moose Jaw. He was second on team in points. He was the captain, tied for third on team with 10 assists, second on team with eight goals. Uh, you know, he's a defenseman for the Wild. So I believe that he is about one to two seasons away from the NHL. Maybe stick him down in the AHL just to get used to the pro speed. And then maybe bring him up for a couple of games at the end of the next season. 
Yeah, for sure. It's it's just nice to put pen to paper for him getting that contract. But, you know, him being the captain, you know, he, he's a great leader. So he's just got to worry about making the transition to, you know, the pro game. It, it, it can be a big jump for some people, but, you know, some people take it really well. So I think, you know, playing him in the AHL, playing him in Iowa, the Iowa Wild, I think is probably the right decision. And, you know, just being able to have that, you know, slower transition until he's ready to play in the lineup in the NHL. Buffalo Sabres will officially finish dead last this season. And I'm pretty sure the last time this race, the race for the bottom of the league was decided this early was when, you know, they missed out on McDavid. However, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure because they got Rasmus Dahlin as well. So I'm not sure if the Sabre, if that race was decided at the same time as this one, or even, you know, later or sooner, but anyway, uh, you know, the Sabres will finish dead last. And, you know, hopefully this year they end up with the first overall pick once again. But, uh, you know, I think the odds are that, you know, you're most likely to drop down if you finish dead last. That's just what we've been seeing over the last couple of years. Yeah. And, and it's not even a couple of spots. It's going from first to fourth two years in a row. Detroit last year, you know, being first overall odds and, you know, moving down to fourth and then Colorado having the number one odds from Ottawa two years ago. Um, they dropped down to four. So, you know, Detroit got a guy, um, they got Lucas Raymond, uh, Colorado got Bowen Byram. So even if you slide to four, you can still get a solid prospect. But I think all the Sabres fans, you know, are going to be hoping that they can hold on to that number one position because, you know, they really need any help they can get. Jack Rathbone uh, scored his first NHL goal. So, you know, like we mentioned at the top of the show, he's going to be, and I think he's going to be a great player uh, for for the Canucks. Uh, you know, hopefully he does have a great ceiling and can find a way into the middle or top six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was able to put one on Miko Koskinen, who let in, you know, the first four shots of the game and was quickly pulled for Mike Smith. So he was able to take advantage, but, you know, congrats on getting the first goal for him. Speaking of four goals on four shots, Jeff Carter had a four goal game. Uh, you know, I certainly didn't see, yeah. uh, you know, him scoring four goals ever again, but man, uh, what a pickup that is for Pittsburgh. I mean, you talk about Crosby, Malkin and Carter down the middle. I mean, that's lethal. Yeah, I, th- I think they're, you know, really ready for the playoffs. They were able to win their division. So, you know, a really solid regular season for them. I think, you know, if Tristan Jari is able to be 100%, be that starter for them throughout the playoffs. I feel like, you know, this is a solid year for Pittsburgh to make, you know, a deep run again because they haven't been able to make a deep run since 2017. Minnesota plans to be at 25% capacity for the playoffs. And, you know, we're, we're like you mentioned, we're getting closer to playoffs. So I think, you know, as vaccines are rolling out in the States, as uh, coronavirus cases are, you know, dipping in the States, uh, we're going to see arenas opening up their, you know, st- uh, their doors more to fans, which is so good to see. Yeah, exactly. I, I was watching these Caprizovs on my fantasy team. I, you know, tuned into a lot of Minnesota games this year. And yeah, th- their fans were a part of their games. You know, it was really exciting to see. And, you know, 25% capacity, you know, maybe doesn't sound like a lot, but if you're getting thousands of fans into the building, it can really make an impact. And I think, you know, Minnesota definitely needs that because, you know, I, I think back to, you know, Minnesota playing Chicago, maybe in the playoffs. And I feel like, you know, they had a really good atmosphere because, you know, they're the state of hockey, so they got to represent. Pavel Buchnevich got suspended one game for cross-checking Anthony Manta in the mouth. And, you know, no matter how you look at it, no matter the optics, everyone's going to criticize the Department of Player Safety for not suspending Wilson. Uh, because, you know, Wilson has changed everything. Like, you know, you look at, you know, Wayne Simmons, for example. Uh, you know, he, if he, you know, does a borderline Tom Wilson thing, it's looked at differently because he's not Tom Wilson. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, that's just the danger that Wilson is in the league. And, you know, for him, it really sucks that there's now a different perspective. There's a different lens that people are viewing his pun- punishments through. Yeah, uh, as for the suspension and Buchnevich, I feel like, you know, they got it right. I feel like the Department of Player Safety, they had, you know, a rough week, but I feel like the only thing they did get wrong was the Wilson. I feel like there was a couple other suspensions that they had to hand out. And with this Buchnevich, it's just, you know, a game where your team's out of the playoffs. It just really seemed unnecessary. And, you know, him getting one game, I think, you know, was, was, was right. Austin Matthews scores 40 goals in 49 games. Uh, he was yeah. the second fastest Leafs player to do so. Uh, Frank Mahovlich was the fastest Leafs player with 40 and 48 during the 1960-61 season. Uh, you know, Matthews, again, a generational player. 
uh, someone that can really change your franchise. And, you know, the, with the Leafs core that they have now, it would be an embarrassment, really, uh, if, if for Kyle Dubas, uh, if they did not win a cup or if they did not make the Stanley Cup finals at least once or twice with the current core. No, yeah, I, I think this core is set. You know, this year especially, you're looking at anything other than, you know, if, if they don't even win a series this year, um, you know, it's just going to be looked at, you know, as a disappointment for this Leafs team. And, you know, they have all the pieces to be successful. Um, Austin Matthews, incredible feat, 40 goals in 49 games is just absolutely incredible. If this were an 82-game season, he'd be setting some sort of record for sure for the Maple Leafs. Uh, it's too bad that it's 56 games, but, you know, 40 goals, you'll take it anyways. The Canucks scored four goals on four shots on Koskin. And like you mentioned, he is the third goalie to be pulled when that situation happens. Most recently, Don Beaupre of the Caps in a 7-4 loss against the Pens on November 24th, 1989. Uh, you know, obviously Koskinen uh, didn't have the best of game. And, you know, when you when we talk about goalie tandems, it's very important to find consistent backup goaltending. And I feel like with the Oilers and Koskinen, you never really get that. Yeah, I, I feel like with both the Oilers goaltenders, Smith and Koskinen, you know, they have games where they're very solid, you know, goalies that you can trust as a starter, but that trust really isn't there when they're inconsistent. Uh, it, it's crazy to think, you know, uh, thinking back to the qualifying round when the Oilers played the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, Dave Tippett went with Mike Smith in that first game and Mike Smith had a poor game and Oilers fans were calling at Tippett's head saying you should should have started Koskinen. But, you know, if Koskinen gets the game one start in this year's playoffs, I feel like it'll be the exact opposite of that situation. On Friday, Cam York made his NHL debut, obviously a top prospect for them. He had five points in six AHL games. 20 points in 24 games at U of M. Uh, top 10 goals on that team with four. Third on the team with 16 assists. He had six points in seven games at the World Juniors. He was the team captain. And he was tied for second on the team with five assists. So obviously reading off the stats there, you know, it's very easy to see that Cam York is a at least a point-per-game player or just below it. Yeah, you know, and, and as a defenseman, that's really good. You know, Cam York, uh, you know, the Flyers have some solid pieces on their blue line, but it's still, you know, a little raw, a little, you know, not complete. So hopefully he's, a he's able to come into this lineup and, you know, kind of keep his job here. You know, you don't want him to be bouncing between the NHL and AHL. Hopefully he can just be an impact player off the gate and, you know, keep that, keep that position. You know, we had a little bit of a uh, kind of love story that we have to go over here. Uh, you know, it's hockey related, but it also includes basketball and all Arizona sports. Uh, so the Twitter user HD announced there is no fourth date between uh, the girl that he was taking out uh, to all these sport games. And uh, I'll read through kind of the story that it was. So uh, the Twitter user Buck Army tweeted at the Diamondbacks to get the cameraman to zoom in on his roommate going on a date. Uh, so, you know, the exchange goes on and Bali Sports TV uh, gets involved. So that's obviously the TV network for, uh, you know, the Arizona Diamondbacks and I think all of Arizona uh, sports. So then Buck Army gave them the details of what section they are in. So he tweets out M section F. Uh, he gives the details of what his roommate is wearing, uh, red, a red shirt with a girl wearing green third base side. The D-backs actually find the couple and tweet out that uh, to Buck Army that the date is going well. Uh, the Diamondbacks ended up getting them on the Jumbotron. Uh, and, you know, the D-backs actually uh, got all the Arizona teams on the fun. The Coyotes game was the location for the third date. And uh, there's, uh, you know, the Suns were supposed to get the fourth date, but... Uh, you know, after the third day, I think they had uh, enough of the Arizona te uh, sports teams, but no. Um, but yeah, that's a funny, kind of funny, kind of fun love story that happened. Uh, you know, that got the D-backs involved in all Arizona sports. No, exactly. I, I think you look at it as, you know, a good thing just in general for sports, but specifically Arizona, you know, they're, they're not the, you know, most marketable town for sports or, or I guess, you know, a state, but you look at that, it's just anything, you know, being in the news and, you know, getting a little traction to them. It's unfortunate that they weren't able to make it to four dates. You know, it would have been nice to see them, you know, grow up, get married, have kids, and we would be able to look back at it. But, you know, just, just a couple games and it seemed those two dates went well, but uh, no, no fourth one.
ESPN is actually out on Wayne Gretzky. Uh, TNT seems to be picking him up for their panel. And, you know, I'm very interested to see what philosophy uh, Gretzky can bring to the, the game of, of hockey today. Like, obviously, he retired, you know, decades ago. But, uh, you know, maybe he has to uh, rethink some of his philosophy, some of his thinking, because obviously the game of hockey has evolved since he played. A hundred percent. Like you look, you look at baseball, you could have a player from the sixties be an analyst and they could pick up on, you know, most of the game. However, the NHL has just changed so much. Even the greatest player of all time might have a hard time keeping up, but you know, Gretzky is just going to, you know, bring viewership. I believe if he's able to get on that panel. And I think, you know, that's just a good thing in general. Uh, he, he was the coach of the Arizona or the Phoenix coyotes at the time. So didn't do too well there, but uh, I feel like being an analyst is a much different thing from being a coach. And, you know, ho- hopefully he's able to get that position and succeed in the role. Hurricanes clinched their division. And like you mentioned, uh, the Battle of Florida, or how about the Sunshine Showdown between the Panthers and Lightning? I, I'm going to go with the sun, 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 Sunshine Showdown. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that's the first time they've met in the playoffs. And, you know, I'm super psyched for this matchup. I think the Panthers and Lightning, uh, on paper, they look pretty good against one another. Uh, you know, on the ice, they're, you know, they had like 149 penalty minutes or something like that. Yeah, no, you look at these teams and you look at the makeup of the rosters and you typically think that, it, you know, it would just be, you know, a skilled game. However, you know, they got pieces like Radko Gudis, you know, for the Panthers, you know, Pat Maroon on the Lightning, and they got a couple of grit guys, and they played last week. They're going to play again tonight. You know, we're recording on Monday, uh, so we'll get, you know, a really good preview for what the series is going to be like. But, you know, I'm just excited because both teams, you know, are real threats to take the series. Phil Kessel scored his 900th career point. And, you know, Phil Kessel is one of those players who consistently plays 82 games a season. Uh, you know, he's one of the real, you know, active journey or not journeyman, but Ironman uh, in the NHL right now. And, you know, hats off to Kessel because he got traded from Toronto to Pittsburgh. You know, it took about a year to kind of get used to the systems and then, you know, got traded to Arizona or signed. I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, it took again a year to get used to the systems. But yeah, Kessel is, you know, consistently put up 30, 40 points in a year. Uh, he's, he can never get stopped. Yeah, you know, Phil Kessel, he's just the, you know, keep, keeps on going. And, you know, you say uh, you say Iron Man, but also potentially journeyman. You know, he's, he's on his fourth team, and we'll see the, how the last couple of years of his career, you know, shape up. But, you know, hopefully he's able to get to 1,000. I feel like, you know, 100 points for the rest of his career is definitely something that he can do. There was a photo of him with the puck, and, you know, he's definitely got that, you know, classic Phil Kessel gut going. And, you know, all the comments were just ripping him up. But, you know, just, just, a, just a great personality of the league, and, you know, congrats on 900 points the LA Kings are mathematically eliminated from playoff contention which puts them into the uh, draft lottery I believe so you know they're looking forward to June 2nd which is the draft lottery date Uh, and you know lastly uh, the Blues clinched the play the last playoff spot in the West Division so you know it's great to see that the Blues locked up fourth there Uh, the Kings again they're kind of going through a youth movement Uh, So they're kind of expected to see some rough seasons, which is why they traded Carter. I'm not too sure if the market for Dustin Brown was uh, too small or, you know, the prices weren't there for L.A. So uh, I find it kind of weird that they didn't move on from Brown. Yeah, I'm not sure how many, how much, how, what the term is on his deal, but I know he's making around six mil. And for the role that he provides, you know, maybe teams aren't trying to take on that contract right now uh, for Dustin Brown. But, you know, they were able to move on from Carter. I think, you know, even though they didn't make the playoffs, to be the last team, you know, that was holding on to the playoff, you know, hopes in that West Division, I think, you know, was a positive thing for them. You know, they saw a lot of growth this year that some of the youth, you know, making their debuts in the lineup. Uh, Cal Peterson, hopefully, is the goalie of the future. It seems like he took the net from Jonathan Quick, you know, as the season went on. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do next season. I don't think it's a playoff season next year, but, you know, I think they're in this, they're, you know, stepping in the direction, uh, right direction, even though they have, you know, most of their core, you know, aging, you know, with guys like Drew Doughty, uh, uh, Anze Kopitar, and Dustin Brown. The NHL is relaxing its code. So this is Saturday news. Uh, the NHL is relaxing its COVID protocols for playoff teams that will allow for greater freedoms with regards to masks 
testing, team meetings, social gatherings, and travel once 85% is fully vaccinated. So, you know, like we mentioned last week with Robin Leonard getting what, you know, speaking out about the NHL and, you know, how they didn't really, uh, you know, live up to the uh, expectation that they outlined for players with uh, vaccinations and protocols. Well, this is uh, what Robin Leonard uh, wants. So he got what he wanted, which is great to see. Uh, you know, and I think a lot of American teams uh, are fully vaccinated or, you know, are getting there. Uh, I know that some of the Canadian teams uh, are starting to get vaccinated. Like the Leafs uh, just yep. got their first vaccination on Sunday or yesterday. The Habs are getting their first dose on May 13th. Uh, so, yeah, it's great to see. No, absolutely. And, you know, you look at the last season for the NHL and to be at the point where we are now, you know, fans capacity going up and talking about the NHL relaxing, you know, with these protocols, it, it just proves proves that, you know, especially in North America, you can look at it as, you know, things are starting to trend, you know, back to, you know, normality, you know, normal life. And hopefully these playoffs, you know, can give fans, you know, a little bit of that normal feel, especially once they get down to the final four and, you know, the North division is, you know, no longer. Ryan Miller got the final start, or sorry, the start in the final game for Anaheim, which is also the final game for his career. Uh, you know, the Minnesota Wild uh, had a handshake line for him as well. And, you know, he just an amazing career and he should be a Hall of Famer. However, I don't think he will be a first ballot. He might get in second one. I don't know how many times you can be on a ballot to be I uh, qualified for the Hall of Fame, but you know, I think he definitely deserves to be in there. Uh, but yeah, a uh, great career for Ryan Miller, and it's awesome to see that Anaheim gave him the final start. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, with a guy like John Gibson, you know, Ryan Miller knew that he was coming in to take a backup role, uh, and, and he succeeded at it. You know, they, they never really had a ton of success. Um, only a couple of years ago, I guess 2017, they were in the conference finals. I'm not sure if he was the backup at that point in time, um, but. Uh, yeah, Ryan Miller, just great career. We went over his accolades, you know, last week's episode. Uh, and I, I agree with you that he will at some point in time get into the Hall of Fame. We had the last official game at the Coliseum for the New York Islanders as they are moving into UBS Arena next year. Uh, you know, it's great to see that, uh, you know, we the Islanders finally got a home after sharing or not sharing, but playing both at the Coliseum and at... Um, the, I, I'm forgetting the other Barclays. arena. Um, anyway. Barclays. Yeah, yeah, Barclays, Barclays Place. Uh, but yeah, uh, great to see that the Islanders finally found a new home. No, yeah, for sure. And I, I think, you know, when they were playing in the Coliseum, you know, they, they were on Long Island and they were able to, you know, bring in the fans just because, you know, they were part of the team. But when they made the shift to Brooklyn, you know, attendance went down and, you know, they had a rough couple seasons. But now, you know, they're getting this brand new arena, uh, I think, you know, it's just a great time for the Islanders and they have a solid team, you know, in front of them. So, you know, good for the fans and, you know, uh, hopefully they're able to keep, you know, some of this core and compete, you know, next season when they have the new arena. Rod the Bod, Rod Brandemore signed a three-year extension with Carolina, 1.8 mil a year. Uh, you know, I, this contract extension is deserving with the current core that they have. Uh, you know, I think that the players and the coach really gel together. No, yeah, I, I think Rod Brendamore is a perfect coach for this Carolina team just because, you know, he had a really complete game when he was a player. And, you know, there's just a lot of 200-foot players on this Carolina team. They have a lot of guys that can do a lot of things. And, you know, it, they proved it this year. You know, they're missing their starting goalie practically for half the season in P uh, Peter Mrazek, you know, Najelkovic and Ryan were able to, you know, keep them afloat. But they're able to clinch the division. Just a, a good week for the Hurricanes. And I think, you know, they're poised for a deep run. Tim Stutzel scored his first career hat-trick. He became the youngest player in Sens history uh, to record a hat-trick. So, obviously, third overall pick in 2020, uh, you know, really made an uh, impact uh, on the Sens roster, a part of that youth movement. Uh, you know, and I think he's going to be a great piece for the Sens to build around. Yeah, it begs the question, though, how what do you think Quentin Byfield would have done, you know, had he slipped to three? Do you think he would have played the full season? Because I believe, you know, they would have given him that opportunity. Uh, but I don't know, just, you know, great first career, you know, first career hat trick, you know, hopefully first of many, you know, just an exciting player. He seems like just a nice guy. You know, he, he's got a great skill set uh, and a great piece for Ottawa moving forward. 
I should mention before getting on to the Toronto point, uh, you know, Carolina and Nashville are going to match up in the first round of the playoffs. And that's actually, again, uh, the first time ever that this playoff matchup has happened. So, you know, as we're seeing around the league, we're seeing all these unique playoff matchups that probably would have never happened had there been an 82 game season. Yeah, with Carolina and Nashville especially, you have a team that's traditionally in the Eastern Conference and a team that's traditionally in the Western Conference playing in the first round. So, you know, I'm excited to see how those two teams match up. You know, Nashville, hopefully they can put on somewhat of a fight. Carolina's had their number this year, even though Nashville was able to get the win on Saturday. Um, But it'll be a good series, I think, and it really depends on how UC Soros plays. Toronto clinched first in the North Division. Uh, and, you know, you know, I think Calgary was a team that really disappointed. Um, but I think that preseason, we kind of saw Toronto, like, with the group that they have and just, you know, the, the teams that they're matching up against every night, uh, that, you know, they were going to run away with the division at some point this season. Yeah, exactly. You know, you wrote it down this week's headlines, but I feel like we could have put it in the first ever episode of Down to the Wire. You know, the Leafs kind of had the division all year, you know, a couple of slow, slow, you know, stretches. Everyone goes through those, but they're able to get first in the division, you know, just good for them. And, you know, now now it's all onto the playoffs for the Leafs. Leon Dreisaitl recorded his 500th career NHL point, but, uh, you know, that was with obviously McDavid setting him up. But the achievement that's going to overshadow that is Connor McDavid scoring 100 points in 56 games or less. I mean, whenever you're in the same conversation as Wayne Gretzky, you're obviously doing something phenomenal. Yeah, and, and McDavid has just had a phenomenal, you know, last two weeks because I remember the conversation of, you know, will he hit it in 56 games? Will he be able to get 100 points? And, you know, he did it with three games remaining on the schedule. And, you know, he really capped it off, you know, four points on Saturday night against the Canucks. You know, he was sitting at 96 points, you know, going into it, and he's able to hit 100. You know, the, the just the, everyone around him, once, you know, Dreisaito was able to pot that fourth goal with McDavid on the primary assist, you know, everyone just seemed, you know, super happy, and McDavid was able to share that with his teammates. And, you know, Rasmus Kupari uh, scoring his first NHL goal for the Kings. And, you know, we mentioned Byfield getting his first point, And now we got Rasmus Kupari scoring. Uh, it's great to see, again, the youth movement that LA is in. Uh, you know, they're getting production out of their, you know, young players. And, you know, I think there's going to be a growing buzz around the city of uh, Los Angeles, you know, that they're getting hyped. Okay, the future's here. You know, we might be a playoff contender in, you know, let's say four or five years. Yeah, I think they got an exciting core and, you know, I'm interested to see how many of their, you know, prospects are able to make, you know, their world championship rosters because a lot of them, you know, we got limited limited action in the NHL this year and I'd like to see, you know, a little bit before them, you know, don't have to wait all the way till next year starts. John Tortorella and the Columbus Blue Jackets agreed to mutually part ways. Uh, you know, this is this news comes on a Sunday. Uh, you know, Tortorella became the winning, winningest coach in Blue Jackets history with 227 wins, four playoff berths, including their first ever playoff series win. Uh, he spent six, organi- six seasons with the organization. And, you know, to say the least, it seems like Tortorella, you know, before the season happened, kind of had a successful tenure. No, for sure. I, I think they started the season, I, I don't know if they lost like eight straight or 10 straight to start the season, but they fired whoever their coach was before and brought in Tortorella. And, you know, he really turned the franchise around um, just because I feel like he was the right coach for the current team that they had. Uh, but now that they're starting to shift, you know, away from the Nick Felino, you know, Bobrovsky era, you know, and moving into potentially looking at, you know, Patrick Line, if they can keep him long term with a new coach, with their core they've got some good pieces i'm excited to see what columbus is going to do and hopefully they're able to get the you know the coaching vacancy you know hopefully they're able to get the right guy for the job the coaching carousel continues as rick talkick rick talkick rick talkett and the coyotes have mutually agreed to part ways uh you know i thought this was coming to a surprise here uh, i guess talk talk it didn't fit the coyotes direction that they wanted to go in uh you know i i thought that rick did a good job um, but yeah, this came as a kind of a surprise to me. I didn't think that, you know, Tockett would get fired this early in his tenure. 
Yeah, you know, they, they only gave him four seasons, and he was a good assistant coach in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, it, people were excited to see what he could do in Arizona. And then, you know, they made the playoffs last year, but, you know, unfortunately, they with the luck of the draw, they had to play Colorado in the first round. Um, I'm interested to see who they, uh, who they choose to be the next head coach because they can go one of two ways. They can, you know, go and sign someone who's, you know, a free agent, quote unquote, right now, or they can look within their organization. I think Phil Housley is their assistant coach, and it'll be inter- interesting to see if he gets a second opportunity as a head coach in the NHL. Mackenzie M. Whistle scored his first NHL goal for the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, you know, it's great to see that, uh, the you know, the Bulldogs prospect, not prospect, but, uh, you know, alumni uh, scored his first NHL goal. I know I watched a bunch of M. Whistle when he was with the Bulldogs. So it's great to see him having success. Oh, for sure. And you look at these Bulldogs teams, you know, that you and I went to see and, you, you know, you, you think of the key guys like Kaliev, you know, they're, they're going to make their impact on an NHL roster, but it's nice to see, you know, Entwistle, you know, crack the lineup for the Blackhawks and be able to score. Before we get to Pegs' predictions, let's quickly go through Zach Hogan's power rankings uh, this week. So first, he has the Maple Leafs. Second, he has the Oilers. Third, he has the Senators. Fourth, he has the Montreal Canadiens. Fifth, he has the Winnipeg Jets. Sixth, he has the NHL, or the Calgary Flames. And seventh, he has the Vancouver Canucks. I certainly don't have any problems with this, simply because my favorite team's in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. You know, all you're looking for is if Montreal's above Winnipeg and you're happy. And, you know, it, I feel like, you know, over the last week, they've definitely, you know, they're creeping in. And these last two games against the Oilers are really going to really gonna show, you know, how these playoffs are going to go. Moving on to Pegs' predictions, uh, we only got two NHL games on the dock for tomorrow. Uh, so I have the Capitals over the Bruins and the Canucks over the Jets. I'll, I'll go a little bit different. I'll go Bruins over Capitals, Jets over Canucks. Well, we all love the differences between us. Well, i like to thank again Nolan Thode for joining me on another edition of Down to the Wire. It's always a pleasure, Pegs.